Oh, what time? <laughs> Don't you start coming in early because I have to do more editing. Now, let me give these people a proper introduction. Well, yeah, what a piece of music that is all day, every day, every time, still shaking. What's going on, guys? Welcome to yet another episode of Burying Fake News. Top of the show, huge thank you to all the fine folk who downloaded and got involved with last week's show. The Legion of Lewis, Mariana's Militia, the battalion of Burying Fake News. We're available all over the internet. Tally friends, try the waitress, tip the veal. Big thank you to Matt before he starts screaming at me for helping us out with the, or making us aware of the issues we've got with Google Podcasts. We're still up there twice. The show's so nice, we're up there twice. But for those of you who are new to the show, my name's Lewis. I'm the soon-to-be Dr. G. This is Burying Fake News, the show that is dedicated to fact-checking the posts of social media and burying fake news, as it suggests, putting it in its place and just stomping mud holes, leaving them raw, battered and bruised where they should be. And as ever, to join me in this crusade, it's my missus, my carer, the boss, for the queen of burying fake news, part-time interpreter, full-time carer, heiress apparent to the all-round good egg fortune. She come in too early again this week, tittering away. We're going to have to have a word about that. It's Mariella. Mariella, welcome back to Burying Fake News, episode 10, baby. I'm sorry, I forgot to mute myself before, but I don't know why you were laughing calling me the boss. Well, I had a minor hiccup in that someone had the script up, and I don't like looking at the script. I like to look at my hands as I waffle out loud. I'm better with words than I am looking at the uh, the writing. I'm great with words because I've heard and said almost every word in the English language. And made up some. Well, that's all right then. And I've made up a few <laughs> along the way. That's good. So what are we doing this week? So thank you guys for coming back. I am super excited about this week. And it's because we are talking about one of my favorite topics. It's a topic I get like freakishly excited about. And it's vaccines. Yay. Yay. So like we mentioned last week briefly... We have several groups around the world doing some really groundbreaking, some record-shattering work developing a vaccine for COVID-19. It's really amazing, I think. Um, So for context, the fastest vaccine previous to this pandemic ever developed took five years, and it was for Ebola, you know, um, a disease that we kind of have a grip on, actually, and we are relatively familiar with, even before vaccine development. So now there are over 100 different vaccines at different stages of development and clinical trials. And so for the sake of everyone's um, peace of mind and making life simpler, we will only be touching on the vaccines leading the race, which are, which are the Oxford group AstraZeneca one, the Wuhan vaccine from China, and we will briefly look at the U.S.'s Moderna vaccine trials. Now, usually, if you're like me, um, you know, I get information from second and third, uh, like, sources, such as news outlets. So, anywhere from BuzzFeed to CNN to any other um, news source. But lucky for us, Dr. G today is going to explain from the direct primary sources, aka the actual studies that are published in scientific journals, how we're doing on the vaccine front. So we're going to talk about how vaccines work briefly, what the data is looking like, and what we can expect going forward. He's had to read, unfortunately for him, but lucky for us, plenty of biology. So let's give him a round of applause. Yay! 
Well, isn't it just your lucky fucking day? Oh my goodness, I'm sure it wasn't that bad. It was worse than bad. These were some monstrous papers to get through. And we super appreciate you doing this for us because we are super excited to look at direct primary sources. So, maybe I'm thinking we could start with you, Dr. G, King of Bearing Fake News. You've worked on uh, the elaboration of medicinal interventions for other illnesses yourself. Briefly, could you explain to us how do vaccines work in our bodies? A vaccine is a medicine. It's a type of medicine that trains your body's immune system. So if it comes into contact with a certain entity, it's ready to attack. They are designed to prevent disease rather than treat a disease once you've caught it. That is a really good explanation. I've never thought about it like that. We don't have a lot of preventive um, medication in general. So I think that's really cool about vaccines, isn't it? That it's preventive. Preventative and, and very long lasting. Yeah. Very long lasting. You know, you have, you're injected with a, a weak form of the entity or a dead form of the entity. You're immune system is then develops a response to that you have the antibodies and then they're able to remember this and then if you ever get infected with the full dose your body's ready to fight it off immediately it's a very simplistic version of how it works yeah it's almost like a dress rehearsal i would say for an actual virus coming in and attacking you yeah sure well tell us a little bit about the process like how do you develop a vaccine the process of developing a vaccine is to take the virus or bacteria you are studying and weakening them to the point where they are either unable to reproduce or replicate themselves and you can just take that out of their you know arsenal or so they can't replicate at all and then when it's administered you have a virus in present your body develops an immune response to it but the virus that is present isn't able to actually continue further down its pathology and you know, be harmful, so to speak. Yeah, not enough to make you sick, but enough for your body to react. Um, so why does it take so long to make one? Because of all the process that is involved between studying it from test tube to getting something that is viable on large scale that can be stored or not only made on large scale, but also stored at a large scale. Um, you have a lot of preclinical research where your vaccine is tested in a small group of people, sometimes as few as five or six, which is called your phase one clinical study. And this helps rule out any major safety issues that you may have. Then you have to move into phase two trials where you introduce the vaccine to a larger number of people between 100 and 200, sometimes more, but usually it's, it's definitely over 100. Um, at this point, they want to see whether the vaccine is consistent or what uh, anomalies they may have missed with their smaller study, as well as any side effects that may occur. Where a disease is reasonable, reasonably common, um, phase three trials can then be moved to test how the vaccine protects against natural infection. These studies are usually in the tens of thousands of healthy volunteers, and it gives the researchers a better chance of discovering rare super rare anomalies which wouldn't have shown up in these smaller phase two and phase one trials and generally prove ultimately that the vaccine does prevent the disease they differ from 
studies of new medicines in a few very important ways. Um, for one thing, a much a larger number of people are included in phase three trials for vaccines as opposed to small molecule kind of drugs. And another thing that makes um, tolerance for side effects in vaccine trials lower is the fact that the volunteers, i.e. your future target groups, are already healthy to begin with. Whereas with other medicines, your phase three trials, you're actually looking at patients. And then in addition to that, your vaccines are proved by regulators that it can be made available to the public either via um, a national immunization program or through private purchase. And then there's ongoing monitoring of vaccines effects that also takes place as part of that, which they tend to call, uh, which they tend to call phase four trials. And doctors, researchers are encouraged to continually report any either apparent side effects or, you know, unexpected results. That's so interesting. I hadn't thought about that. You know, in medicines, like you said, you tend to, you know, test it out on patients that are already sick or, you know, not very well. But in vaccines, it's kind of the opposite. You're working with pretty healthy groups and then just observing them to see if they kind of stay healthy, right? So that's that was really good. Yeah, that was that was really, really interesting. Thank you so much. Um, so now into the what the meat and potatoes, as you call it, of this section. Could you explain to us what do the papers say? Well, I've seen so many, like, you know, um, links and news outlets reporting, like, you know, the Chinese vaccine trial goes so well, Oxford's trial goes well, you know, the U.S. Moderna trials are all moving on to phase three. So what do the papers actually say? What are the experiments like and what are the findings themselves? Could you enlighten us? So... This week, there's been three major developments. There's the Wuhan trial that was reported, the AstraZeneca Oxford University trial, which was reported, and then probably most famous is the Moderna trial that was reported on. So I'll start with, and this is trying to be just a brief overview of all three because all three could warrant having their own show. Um, But July 20th was a very big day because the Oxford University and Wuhan were both published in the Lancet that day and on the same day, Moderna, I think, spurred on by that, released an early press result, and I'll get into that in a moment. But um, in the Wuhan trial, they had healthy adults, essentially aged between, and I'll just give you the name of the uh, the trial in the Lancet as well, safety and, immunogene- safety and immune- immunogenicity, safety and immunogenicity, say that fast three times, of the CHADOX1NCOV-19 vaccine against SARS-CoV-2, a preliminary report of phase one, two, single blind ram- randomized control trial in the Lancet. And I shall give a brief overview of what that involved. Um, did I mention they had healthy adults? Uh, all of them over 18 who were HIV negative and previous SARS-CoV-2 infection free and eligible to participate randomly assigned to receive either the vaccine or placebo because they obviously have to test that it's better than placebo. The randomized double-blind placebo-controlled phase 2 of the Denotype 5 vectored COVID-19 vaccine showed both doses administered induced significant neutralizing antibody responses to live SARS-CoV-2 with no serious adverse reactions documented. Well, again, this is phase one and two, so we haven't gone into the many, many, you know, thousands of people. Uh, An interesting commentary from Ian Jones, who's the professor of virology over at the University of Reading, he pretty much said that the data 
from the phase one and two trial of the Oxford vaccine are as good as one could reasonably expect and kind of meet the same results as the the Wuhan trial, as we're going to call it here, in this. I got my notes confused. Here we go. Um, <laughs> use of the vector as a general vaccine platform. The trial participants develop the all-important neutralizing antibodies in most cases after one shot and in all cases after two shots. So some had effect after just one injection, all of them after two, and was measured in several different assays, essentially. So that's sort of an overview of the Wuhan one, and then the AstraZeneca, or the University of Oxford one, was also released. And those interim results were from the... Oh, what's the name of that paper? Can't remember. But it's the AZD1222 paper. And interim results from the ongoing <laughs> phase one, phase two trial, and that's the University of Oxford-led one, just like the Wuhan one, generated a robust immune response against the SARS-CoV-2 virus, as they're calling it, in the people who were participated in it. It's also blinded its multi-center, so it's not at one medical facility, it's at several medical facilities. I love that word, medical facilities. Randomized controls with a thousand healthy adult participants, all of them over 18, but none of them over the age of 55. And it assessed a single dose of their vaccine against a comparator meningococcal conjugate vaccine. And 10 participants also received two doses of the vaccine one month apart. These are in the Lancet, and I cannot find the name of the paper right now. And they, in summary, confirm that a single dose of their vaccine results in a fourfold increase in the antibodies present for SARS-CoV-2 virus in 95% of the participants one month after the vaccination. In all of the participants, a T-cell response was induced, peaking two weeks after, and maintained for two months after initial injection. They go on to state that the neutralizing activity against the SARS-CoV-2, which is done by what's called an MNA-80 assay, was seen in 91% of participants four weeks after the vaccination, and in 100% of participants who received two doses. And the level of neutralizing antibodies seen in participants receiving either one or two doses were in a similar range to those seen in the convalescent COVID-19 patients. So those people who have had the, um, the plasma therapy that we were talking about a few weeks ago have been them. And that's very, very promising data. In terms of that safety... so awesome. Yeah, it, it's quite... A, well, again, it's phase one, phase two, but it, it's nice that it went straight to Lancet and not to the to the media and I'll, I'll, I'll come to that in a moment um, mm. in terms of safety the <clears throat> well, I've got my safety page you see I have to write this down otherwise I get lost we appreciate it so much the early safety responses confirmed the transient local and systemic reactions were common and comparable to the previous trials of other adenoviral vector vaccines so uh, also included there's a bunch of references there, and all it means is that in other vaccine trials, they're seeing similar things. But I'll go on to explain what that means. It's essentially a, a bunch of side effects that include temporary injection site pain and tenderness, mild to moderate headaches, fatigue, chills, feverishness, 
malaise, and muscle ache. Um, there's no serious adverse events that have been reported with the University of Oxford vaccine. The reactions were were lessened. So those things I just mentioned, the temporary injection site pain, the tenderness, the, the mild headaches, the tenderness, are all reduced with use of prophylactic paracetamol as the painkiller and occurred less frequently with the people with the second dose. But again, we are still talking about uh, 10 people. And I actually found the Oxford paper a lot more understandable. I thought it was a better written piece of science personally. Um, and that was headed up by Andrew Pollard, well, Prof Pollard, who's the principal investigator of the vaccine trial at Oxford and co-author, if you like. And I actually found one of his quotes on it where he said, doo, 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 doo. the interim phase one, two data for our coronavirus vaccines shows that the vaccine did not lead to any unexpected reactions and had a similar safety profile to the previous vaccines of this type. The immune responses observed following vaccination are in line with what we expect, will be associated with protection against SARS-CoV-2 virus, although we must continue with our rigorous clinical trial program to confirm this. We saw the strongest immune response in participants who received two doses of the vaccine, indicating this might be a good strategy for vaccination. And then there was further commentary I was able to dig up from uh, Mene Pangalath, who is the executive vice president of Biopharmaceuticals R&D, who just said we're encouraged by the data. Um, it's definitely capable of generating, a, he didn't say it like this, I had to translate it, generating from uh, the rapid antibody T-cell response. And there's more work to be done, but today's data is... It allows our confidence to grow that we're on the right uh, track. Late stage phase two and phase three trials are now underway in the UK, as well as, again, it's it's multi-center. So there's also studies going on in Brazil and South Africa as part of this study. And there are some due to start in the US. And these trials will determine how well the vaccine will protect from the COVID-19 disease and measure the safety and immune responses in different age, ra age ranges at various doses. In parallel to that, AstraZeneca is continuing to fulfill its commitment to broad, this is from their website, commitment to broad and equitable access for the vaccine. So they're saying, despite this positive results, they're still hoping that everybody can get a share of this. And it's not, you know, the highest bidder takes all, should the late stage clinical trials prove successful, which I think is a really important confirmation for AZ to make. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's part of the challenges in it, not just developing, but also who gets first and how do you distribute? Well, again, they've got they've got uh, centers all over the uh, the world, so that won't be a, a massive issue for them. Um, but what this correlates to is we're we're heading the right way, although the vaccine has not yet been defined or or there. The, the high level of neutralizing antibodies that have been demonstrated by these trials show that we are doing or we are heading in the right direction and it's very promising for a vaccine to be very real. Yeah, I mean, from what I gathered, I actually read these papers in an effort to be in solidarity with you, sweetie. So, um, Which was your favorite? I, I also found the Oxford one easier to follow and easier to read and but i saw that in general they're both quite similar um i think they both had a quite a substantial sort of uh participants the oxford one had over a thousand the wuhan one had over 1077 
Yeah, so we are already talking like these are pretty bigger scale um, Twitter reports. I think it's important to mention the single blind randomized control aspect of it, basically, according to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, is that they have a placebo to control for well that effect that they neither the doctors nor investigators nor the patients know if whether they are getting the actual vaccine or the COVID one versus the placebo. And so basically nobody knows who's getting who, who's getting what. And later on, they look at the data and say, yes, this worked. And which one did you receive? Oh, this one. That's good. Am I right? You are correct. The The administer and the patient, neither are aware of who is getting what. Now I've been in involved with cases when this isn't always possible, perhaps where the drug in trial has a particular smell. Oh, yeah. And Something that would give it away. Yeah, not always, but that that can happen. And, and it is sometimes a bit tricky to control for here and there. Yeah, so basically that gives it, the study a lot more strength also, um, because it's really showing that there's no, you know, um, explicit bias. And it actually is having an effect. And I had a bit of a random question when I was reading this. So when a person is administered a vaccine, let's say whether it's a placebo or a control vaccine or the actual COVID one they're developing, um, what do they do? Do they actually expose everyone to COVID and just hope they don't get sick? Or how does that work? No, they're measuring the antibody response. Oh, good. So nobody actually gets exposed to COVID and just hope and pray that they got the right vaccine, right? (laughs) Well, I did mention in the very start when you asked me what is a vaccine that it is a weakened or damaged form of the virus unable to replicate or poorly replicates. Yeah, but I thought maybe, you know, if if, if I, I guess I, it didn't really register with me that you could just test the antibodies to see if they existed. I thought like, oh my gosh, like you just, you know, inject people and then expose them to COVID some other way and hope that they don't get sick. <laughs> yeah, you, you measure the antibody level present. Oh, okay. Well, that's really good. Um, and overall, like, you know, the results are, you know, as good as I guess you could hope for in these sort of, in this sort of phase, right? Yeah, I think, I think this is both promising data, but um, this is, you know, two thirds of the, the July 20th extravaganza. And we're still yet to talk about Moderna. Yes. Um, and generally if we are too excited about their COVID-19 vaccine. So if you've been paying attention, you've probably seen reports of Moderna. It's getting a lot of people excited. They released results in a press release, and I think you know what I feel about press releases or scientists who release data through them instead of publishing. The data is not sufficient to draw any conclusions about their safety or effectiveness of the Moderna vaccine. This is the American study. And I don't want to shit on it just because it's America and, you know, the Brits are doing better. But But it is kind of fishy, you know, that they actually published and then all of a sudden Moderna was like, oh, we've got something going on too, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't want to accuse them of thinking of their fucking share price before their actual data, but they're not run by you know, philanthropists, they are businesses. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the phase one clinical trial results have since been published and this hype has kind of started again. And I want to really have a bit of a deep dive into the Moderna one because I know that people want hope 
as opposed to this endless cycle of bouncing between, you know, opening and, and closing or opening too early and have we got it right and and response, especially in the USA, which, you know, as we mentioned last week, I've, you know, there's a lot of good people that are being held to ransom by their lack of leadership, which is a polite way of putting it. For the full details of that, go check out episode nine. And <laughs> hope isn't something that really interests me as a scientist. I'm more interested by published evidence, scientific evidence. And I feel Moderna by going through a press release as opposed to going through actual channels, that's how they're, it's it's crude. And by published, I mean in, in a respected peer-reviewed journal, not in the fucking, you know, the, the Moderna Journal of Medicine, self-published, right? Yeah, of course. The other two were um, published by the very reputable The Lancet. Um, and they do look at very scientific papers that expose, you know, their methodology and everything else. And the other one, like I said, it just, I just also saw it come up on my newsfeed. And I guess even when I sent it to you, I couldn't find the actual paper. I'm like, well, I guess it's just the Moderna website that's telling us this. Again, I am going to ramble and go on here, but go ahead. I, I think this really needs to be said. You know, I can say that, um, what can I say? I can say that Tesla is a cult following and all their cars should be scrapped and we need to draw again and start looking at hydrogen fuel cell cars instead of fucking electricity ones. But that's based on opinion and not any evidence. On the other hand, when it comes to vaccines, we have built an amazing scientific system of bringing the most effective and safest medical advances to humanity. Despite the best efforts of these shit posters who we try and annihilate every week here on Berry and Fake News, despite the anti-vaccine morons and the the Tea Party sponsored woman who's spouting shit, and despite the Judy Mikovitzes of the world and the Trumps of the world and, you know, the hashtag 2A and mm, the rights and all those motherfuckers, we do have a very effective way of getting vaccines into settled science. And that's not worth sacrificing ever. We should not be rushing any of this. And I did mention it on one of the first or second episodes. It was my biggest fear is that standards are dropped and this is rushed. And I want to take a very critical look at the Moderna vaccine and why I think there are some reasons we should be concerned about their vaccine or, or not so optimistic about it. Ooh, okay. So it's going to be a long episode, but it's okay. Moderna Therapeutics is a biotech company based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. They are... I think they were one of the first to announce that they they had their a candidate going forward and they called it mRNA-1273. Moderna focuses its vaccine research on mRNA or the messenger RNA technology. Um, this is a molecule in the cell that corresponds to DNA sequences and carries that information to be read by a ribosome and this just helps with protein synthesis. And there's a book by Alan McHugan in it's a wonderful book. It's called DNA Demystifying Unraveling the Double Helix. And he kind of really well describes how uh, mRNA works. And this is where I went to just to get an, a direct quote, just so I can't get it wrong. When an mRNA strand exists in the nucleus and enters the cytoplasm, it attaches to ribosomes. And this is where protein synthesis progresses. The ribosome reads the base sequence of the mRNA, three bases at a time in triplet. Each three-base triplet is called a codon, and this specifies a particular amino acid, except for a few with um, 
regulatory functions such as U UGA, which is like a stop codon, which just means stop making the protein. If the first three base codon is AUG, then the molecule of the amino acid methionine, which is one of the 20, is brought into the place. If the next triplet is triple A and it brings in lysine, the methionine and lysine molecules are attached together. If the next triplet is, say, GCC, that brings in alanine, which is then attached to the lysine. And this is how it builds the amino acid chain, which then folds into the protein. The ribosome has read nine bases at that point, AUG, AAA, and GCC, and compiled a short chain of three amino acids, abbreviated uh, MET, Lys, ALA, or MKA, right? I might have lost you, but it's okay. Yes, please go on. The ribosome continues reading all of these mRNA bases until it ha hits the stop signal that we spoke about earlier, which is the, you know, UGA sort of signal. And now this long chain of amino acids falls loose, so it, it detaches. Uh, this chain may be a functional protein immediately, but usually they have to go what's called um, additional post-translational processing by enzymes to become active. And this just means they kind of fold or they're modified further. Moderna's vaccine technology relies on mRNA to kickstart the endogenous production of proteins similar to the viral antigens that trigger the body's adaptive immune system to produce antibodies effective against the actual target. Are you following me? Okay, yes. In other words, instead of injecting a live attenuated vaccine like we do with measles, which contains the weakened virus, the Moderna vaccines injects mRNA fragments that are selectively delivered to cells to produce viral antigens, but not the whole virus. Okay, yes, that was a good explanation. They have, they have similar mRNA vaccines in clinical trials. None have received FDA approval as of uh, the 30th of July. Fucking hell, it's July. <laughs> it's almost August. <laughs> Kaiser... Um, Per Permanente led a phase one clinical trial for the Moderna coronavirus vaccine, which began in uh, late March. The phase one trial included 45 adults, healthy adults, separated into three groups, receiving different dosages, uh, low, medium, and high. The results of that study were recently published in the New England Journal of Medicine by the authors affiliated with that and the other institutions. The 10,000M view of the results showed that the Moderna coronavirus vaccine showed that patients produced antibodies that appear to neutralize the SARS-CoV-2 virus. However, it showed that the virus also causes some side effects in many patients. Ooh. The study also showed a dose... A, it, the study also showed, um, a, a from by the looks of it, a dose-response relationship with patients who received higher doses of the vaccine uh, anti-S2P antibodies, which is encouraging. And I've got the author's words here, so I don't misquote them. After the second vaccination, serum neutralizing activity was detected by two methods in all participants evaluated, with values generally similar to those in the upper half of the distribution of a panel of controlled convalescent serum specimens. So what I interpreted this was that the second vaccination um, we'll call it just like a booster, is required to generate the antibody response. And I don't know if this is because of the mRNA technology or it's just something else. It's hard to tell. Um, and there's a concerning number of adverse events, what they call events, side effects. And although because it's not a double-blind randomized study, 
it's really difficult to tell if these are vaccine related or not. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good example of why randomized double blind are very important, right? Yes. And, and this is also worrying because they're going into phase three, which will reveal whether it is because of the vaccine or not. But ethically, should you be advancing with phase three if you're unsure what's causing your side effects? Did they mention what side effects they had? Yes. So I've got another quote here, another excerpt that I've written from them. Adverse events that occurred in more than half of the participants included fatigue, chills, headache, myalgia, and pain at the injection site. Now, this is similar to what we've seen before in the previous two studies, and mm-hmm. this is um, something that is also common with... You can go get a flu jab and have pain at the injection site. You can faint, you can have a headache. You know, this is nothing common. Mm-hmm. However, they go on. Systemic adverse events were more common after the second vaccination, particularly with the highest dose, and three participants, 21% in the 250 microgram dose group reported one or more severe adverse events oh dear for them to say it's severe that must be severe yeah so it is encouraging but antibodies are not or or these are not equivalent to immunity against the disease only the mrna fragments that they're using and these are not challenge studies where participants are intentionally exposed so we don't know if the participants were actually immune to COVID 19 or just this particular fragment moderna has registered a phase three clinical trial which will include about 30 or a little over thirty thousand participants and that's going to be split between vaccine and placebo groups the study is randomized and quadruple blinded participant care provider investigator and the outcomes assess it well when you've got the big books behind you you can get away with that and that started uh, three days ago and will end at the end of october it will end at the end of october in 2022 i'm add um which is a couple of years from now but they still might be able to get approval sooner if results do look encouraging by the way so and and additionally uh, fda actually fast-tracked moderna's new drug application which means exactly what the anti-vaxxers of the world thinks that it means the um, fast track process is designed to facilitate the development and expedite the review of drugs to treat serious conditions and fill an unmet medical need uh, the purpose is to get important new drugs to the patient earlier and fast track addresses a broad range of serious conditions it doesn't mean that the vaccine gets approval without showing it's safe or, or gets approval without showing that it's effective, it doesn't mean that it can just sk- skip you know, the trials. It will still have to go through proper review processes and more frequent meetings with the FDA, um, especially in the bureaucratic sort of area. But it means that their drug goes to the top of the pile when it gets time to market, to market it. Does that, does that explain my concern? Still muted. And going back to what I mentioned about scientific evidence, this is what I read from a neutral, unbiased source is scientific evidence. And currently we're not seeing neutral, unbiased data. So in terms of skepticism, first of all, the press releases. Moderna is a small biopharmaceutical company. They have an incentive to boost their stock prices. And the larger pharmaceutical companies also working on the coronavirus vaccines are very quiet because they're more conservative about public commentary about drug development. It doesn't mean they're not doing anything. It just means that the consequences of failing to meet promises would have a a bigger impact on their bottom line than the short-term gains they may make from 
these press releases. I I really, really, really can't stress how much I fucking hate press releases from pharmaceutical companies like this. And it just makes me want to pull the, someone's eyes out and say, fuck oh, you, that's yes. not how we do things. It just, all the hype, it makes a lot of people looking at the data concerned about what, what they're doing. Um, my, another skepticism I have is this, this warp speed operation, as I've just discussed already, rushing vaccine development has a lot of consequence, consequences, whether it be missing a safety signal, long-term effectiveness causing concerns, or people who are on the fence about vaccines. Yeah, we laugh yeah. and we joke, but you tell them this has been rushed, you're not going to win them over. And like you said, with any sort of slip up in this, it can give the anti-vaccine more movement more power, right? You get this wrong once and yeah. you'll never hear the end of it. Um, so I, I and go hang on. on, I'm not finished with my skepticism here. Oh, go on. Ironically, a former Moderna executive board member is heading up this Operation Warp Speed for the head of the administration. Let that sink in. Ooh. And speaking of the head of the administration, this is another problem. Look at the election polls. We know he's in trouble. And I this isn't political. This is just fact. He is losing in the polls. It's very plausible that he will pressure FDA to announce approval of this vaccine without the adequate data. This is a fucking awful idea, but it's for his re-election. Yeah. So I'll just reiterate what I said. A Moderna executive and board member is leading this fast track operation for Donald Trump who is losing in polls and shit scared of losing re-election. And that's not even where it ends in terms of my scepticism. Oh Manufacturing. This is going to be difficult to produce the hundreds of millions of doses that we're going to need. There is a massive lack of access, of, of excess currently. I worry that this capacity that goes to make this or, or other vaccines, they cannot meet. And you don't want a small company, which could take years trying to do this. They have limited capacity compared to the ridiculousness of Big Pharma. And then finally, fine. well, I don't even know if it's finally. No, my list goes on. <laughs> More scepticism. mRNA technology. I'm not opposed to new biotechnology. I'm firmly in favor of, of, of GMO biotech because... Published science in peer-reviewed journals say that it is safe and useful to humanity. Not a problem. On the other hand, using mRNA to harness cellular manufacturing processes to create the antigen is very new technology, and it hasn't been vetted for long-term applications properly. I don't expect there to be any. I, I don't expect there to be any anyway, but it needs to be addressed. And the, these anti-vaxxers who I do take the piss out of and will continue to do so still moan that, quote, DNA in vaccines. And can you imagine the uproar from saying, well, the amount of mRNA in vaccines? If Moderna is really in lead, in the lead, they need to get ahead on, on messaging. And is that is their mRNA-derived antigen, uh, sorry, is their mRNA-derived antibody the same of a COVID-19 antibody? Is it actually going to prevent it? Yes, it's very similar. I understand that. But is it the same? Because it is not. Are we finished with the skepticism? We are not, because then there's safety and effectiveness. Oh These issues do take time to go through. By pushing the FDA to approve this early, if it doesn't work or it's dangerous, 
we're going to actually go backwards and we're going to have more anti-science rhetoric. We need to, to coddle the community and make them feel welcomed and safe. Despite taking the piss, we need to demonstrate to them that we're right and we're not going to do this if we're not right. And by, by fast-tracking it, there's a big potential that we're not right. This could take this could be irreparable damage that we do, right? Yeah, it's a good point. And I don't want to bring up track records, but I'm going to bring up track records. And the reason why is because all pharma companies have more failures than hits. That's why they hits are so expensive, and that's why hits make the difference between a pharma and a big pharma company. But Moderna has nine mRNA vaccines, and that's not including the coronavirus vaccine in clinical trials. Only one is recruiting for phase two trials. And again, it's not fair to, to have these demonstrate uh, performance or an indication of future results. But companies like Pfizer, like Merck, who have coronavirus vaccines in development, have a long, long record of successfully bringing safe, effective vaccines to market. And I'm just utterly frustrated by companies like Moderna in, in summary. And they're not alone. They make these grandiose claims of grandeur about their new vaccines. It drives up their stock prices and they haven't even fucking published anything. And then when they do publish, I scrutinize the data like I just have and I get my fine tooth comb out and realize that saying things like, oh, it's just around the corner is not helpful based on what they are publishing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They need to give less concern about their fucking stocks and more concern about their data quality what they've measured is it accurate and evidence-based commentary mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know we need a vaccine we need a vaccine more than we need fucking herd immunity we need a vaccine more than we need a pill we need a vaccine more than we need treatment and i want one as soon as possible as soon as and as safely as possible and i cannot stress this enough we need robust repeated statistically significant evidence that there is a long-term immune response against COVID-19 and it is fucking disgusting that there are things in place to skip all of what I've just mentioned and all it does is empower those anti-vaxxers. Yeah and I think it really brings me back to one tweet of the week that we had a couple of weeks ago where there was an old lady that said you know we don't trust their vaccines and I think we kind of briefly commented yeah. on this idea that you know it's kind of sad and we do make fun of a lot of these people but at the same time it is a serious issue um people who are hesitant absolutely and, and here's the other thing i'm i'm a scientist i will change my mind if better data comes along i don't stick with things like a religion i adapt my my theory to to the data that's been presented if moderna coronavirus vaccine gives powerful evidence in phase three clinical trials that it is safe and effective and there are no long-lasting side effects i will be the first in line to get it mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i don't mind i'm happy to do that but let's do it properly Everyone should demand the same level of safety and effectiveness for every company, for every vaccine that's been developed. That is science. You shouldn't get preferential treatment. Do I want the, the vaccine to get to market as fast as possible? Absolutely, yes, because every day that passes before we have a vaccine means potentially more and more deaths. Mm -hmm. This does not mean we should cut corners. That's why I'm happy that, that Pfizer is uh, they're doing real background in producing drugs and vaccines that started their large phase one and two clinical trial in the USA more than this Moderna company. That's why I'm happy to read the Oxford study. That's why I'm happy to read the Wuhan study. And it's very rare I'm positive about work coming out of China. Yes. Um... 
I want Moderna to succeed. I just, I'm skeptical about their claims. And basically, call me when they've got their phase three data published, completed, published, and it's got a proper fucking thing. And I wasn't alone in this because, to round off, the LA Times wrote, one hates to be the bearer of bad news. Which means placing Moderna's announcement in context, but the truth is that Moderna hasn't announced a vaccine, and the path to developing one remains long and torturous. Well, that was some <laughs> that, 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 that was stick in the night. Yeah, torturous. Whether Moderna's early trial will result in a vaccine or when remains highly uncertain. Most drugs that deliver the promise phase one clinical trial results up failing in the final analysis. There's no reason to expect this one will necessarily book the odds. Moderna's vaccine is one of many being tested. Who wrote this? I didn't write it down. But that was in the LA Times. And I, I was like, this summarizes my frustration of this. There are over 110 coronavirus vaccines in development, along with many in clinical trials. Even though most will probably never see the light of day, a few will meet the standards that we set. And that's where we should place our hope, not in press releases of Moderna or any other company. Wow. Well... That was really quite something. Um, no, fuck them. If it's something, if it, if it, you know, if it looks like shit and it smells like shit, it probably is shit. No, and I think this is this is where you know I would be more willing to listen to people who have you know anti-vaxxing stances. Um, these are more legitimate concerns. It is you know are we usually we don't tend to rush vaccine development and all of a sudden we are you know very much forced by this pandemic to come up with a solution quickly but from what i understood from everything you've said um in the past almost hour is that you know oxford and wuhan they have pretty solid data coming out they are published in a reputable journal their sample sizes are oscillating between 600 and over 1000 people and they are moving forward with promising data the moderna trial however um, lacks this really interesting and very essential double-blind randomized control aspect to it. And on top of that, it's using different, um, a different method. Like, what is, why would you make a vaccine out of mRNA? Are they doing something different in Oxford and Wuhan? They're not using mRNA technology. The, the Moderna trial is. Um, it's not that it, it won't work. It's just that it's not proven to. Um, and... I'm not saying that their antibodies are not there. I just question if they are active against COVID-19 and that's what's not been tested. They've not taken an immune response that's been observed in one of their patients and then put it against COVID-19 and shown that their mRNA-produced antibody is effective then against COVID-19. Do you understand? mRNA is like newer technology that we still haven't tested out fully to see of its effectiveness. No, it, it it yes, it is new technology, but the mRNA that has been used to create their antibody is not the same as a COVID nineteen antibody, albeit very similar. There's no reason that it should not work, but they haven't shown that it does. Ooh, so very like you said, then very concerning that they released this through a press release where we're still missing a lot of data um, to actually it verify. It is disgusting claims. that they've released it in a press release. It, again, it gives people false hope. 
it's disgusting that this is the child that's being given levity to produce forward. It's disgusting that the board member is being working directly with President Pigshit to fast track it and that he's so concerned about re-election and couldn't give a fuck about the efficacy of a developed new drug with new technology that he's willing to do that. So fuck him and fuck them. Yeah, yeah. Again, that yeah, said, right. if if the if they if they publish phase three data in a proper method, like the rest of the world goes through, and it is working and it is safe and it is proven, I'll be the first in line. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, you know, put a pin on it, and we have to see going forward what the data says because, and not just in the press release, but in absolutely actual, um, journal, what happens. Absolutely. So you mentioned that there was severe adverse effects or side effects to the Moderna um, vaccine. What would be classified as a severe adverse effect? Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. It was like um, fainting and diarrhea and just general fucking shitty responses to it more than just injection at the site of, sorry, pain at the site of injection, more than just a slight headache or feeling faint after getting an injection and seeing a little bit of blood, more than something a paracetamol can handle. Off the top of my head, I can't remember, but yeah so we have some sort of side effects that we can expect from vaccines this was and most of them are mild or fixed with a simple painkiller and in this case it was not something that could be fixed with an advil absolutely and let's not finish on that question let's actually go into more questions i think this is a nice point to move on before i fucking blow my mind and start screaming again about moderna uh, let's go into the quick fire not so quick fire but sometimes quick fire round um, Sweetie, you've got the cues. Lead the way. Sure. So the, the questions this week are mostly vaccine related in general, but some are also specifically to the COVID-19. So we've chatted about doing a vaccine episode, but I think we've held off because it's such a big topic. But here are some, but not all of the questions. So number one, do vaccines cause autism? Nope. That was a company that was scared of losing a third of its income or two thirds of its income. Essentially, they made three vaccines and they put them in one injection so when they used to have three sources of income they've now only got one source of income so they paid uh i can't remember his name a piece of shit quack to say that having them as in one go instead of having them as separate causes autism which it doesn't it's bogus it's bollocks it's bullshit so definitely something we'll cover later on when we do a vaccine episode in full could I get COVID-19 if I get the COVID-19 vaccine? Like people complain that they get the flu after they get the flu vaccine. Um, you may still get a coronavirus vaccine if it's significantly different to the antibodies that you have. Ooh. But we'd, we, we're not quite sure of the mutation levels of it, but un- unlikely. You know, it's the same reason you don't get measles after you've had a measles shot. Yeah, we're quite good in general at, at that sort of thing, right? So not something that really happens. Mm-hmm. How about live viruses? Are live virus vaccines dangerous? Um, no. How about do vaccines have dangerous chemicals like mercury that can harm people if injected into them? The control for levels of mercury in anything consumed is below peak molar. So everything's measured in molar. Imagine that as a, a, a gram. The amount of tolerance of mercury is picograms. It's picomolar. No, there's no mercury. All right. Is it possible to overwhelm the immune system by getting too many vaccines at once? Um, yeah, you know, babies, if they have um, their vaccine shot, can get a little irritated afterwards. Um, it just depends on 
on the person. I mean, if you've got someone who's immunocompromised or unwell anyway, possibly. But typically, the, the way they're structured and the time between boosters is, is to alleviate any of that happening. Yeah, as far as I know, it's not possible. But like you said, especially in babies and newborns, this is why you have a structured plan, right? Which leads to another question. Is there ever any reason to not get vaccinated? Or is there anybody who should not be getting vaccinated? No, everyone should get vaccinated. <laughs> everybody should get vaccinated for everything they can. I can. I guess I can think of, you know, people who are immunocompromised. Um, this is why everybody else gets vaccinated, right? There are certain people who probably can't... Um, do it so for them it's important that everybody else does get vaccinated right what about booster shots why are they needed a a, a booster dose in in medical terms is like an extra administration it's in medical terms it's like that sounded professional in medical terms a booster dose a booster dose is an extra administration of the vaccine following an an earlier dose um, a booster dose is re-exposure to the immuno to the immunizing antigen they are necessary to increase the body's immunity to particular disease at a time when the initial vaccine may start to wear off and without booster shots the protective or long-lasting effects of vaccines some vaccines can wane leaving you more exposed Ooh, very important to look at what uh vaccines need boosters then yeah. so 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 influenza is a really common one that you should get boosters on every year and and tetanus you know you may have a tetanus shot and then a year might pass or, or you might have just half a year pass and you scrap scrape your hand on a bit of you know rusted barbed wire climbing over a fence into a field or something and you might think mm, you should probably get a tetanus shot. yeah and there's several others like pertussis and diphtheria i think that you have to you need to get a booster like 10 years after something like that so that definitely is correct. look at your immunology cards. um something i will be looking at right after this so do we have vaccines for other coronaviruses out there oh i'm not sure on that one i should have looked at that question and actually googled it um no i did uh i don't think so because otherwise we probably would be a lot further along the line and we'd have a a me too drug as opposed to a, a brand new vaccine so i would say no yeah, I was surprised that maybe, you know, we didn't look further into like a SARS or a MERS vaccine to kind of help us out with this one, but... It wasn't oh well. warranted. Yeah. What about... Um, so, I have several questions regarding COVID-19. First one is, who is winning the race of developing a COVID-19 vaccine? Well... In your opinion. The answer is all of them who are continuing to develop a drug down its path. None of them should be able to get anything quicker than others. There shouldn't be a race. Everyone should be able. Everyone should progress at the same um, speed because of the time that has to be allowed for the drug to be developed properly. As soon as someone's allowed to cut corners, that's when they get ahead, a if you like, in the race. But that shouldn't be what happens. It should be everyone should progress at the same rate, and over time, people will drop out and drop out and drop out over safety, over efficacy, over um, dosage. And there should be just one or two remain that are able to go. And, and you know, in a perfect world, we'd have three companies, very different companies across different parts of the world, all get to the same level. And all of them agree that they can all just get on and, and get to market and sell and not try and lobby with each other saying, well, actually, you know, you don't deserve any of the IP and you don't deserve any IP and everyone should just have ours. And it should be a, a multi-company, you know, truce. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, of course, collaboration over competition, right? Um, so if this vaccine smashes all the records, oh, well, the first question would be, will we see a COVID-19 approved vaccine by the end of 2020, do you think? I suppose I should give an answer and not say, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> yeah, maybe beginning of 2021? It depends how ridiculous. We're not give it depends how ridiculous the FDA corner cutting and Operation Warp Speed with President Pigshit is allowed. I mean, we may get to November and the polls may be so pro Biden that Trump just fucking allows anything to go through, and that would be a sad day for science and a win for the anti-vaxxers, really. And I think for for comparison, I was looking at the Oxford one, and they were saying that it took them about three months to get their 1077 participants injected so if that took you know if 1077 people took three months if they are looking to inject about 10,000 people we're definitely looking at another maybe six months that study is due to start um end of august i believe it was and it finishes at the end of october 2022 yeah so we're definitely looking you know it'll if it's done correctly it'll take a while still Um, and so with that question out of the way, it says, if this vaccine smashes all the records for quickest elaboration of a vaccine ever, even if it's, you know, 2021, 2022, it's still the fastest one. What does it mean for science and vaccinology going forward? Um, if it smashes the records for the quickest produced vaccine ever, if it smashes... Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Yes, produced. It is dependent on the how if it is a quick produced because it can generate the numbers required for the safety study of a broad range of individuals because it is multi-centered with lots of hospitals and lots of universities across continents taking part, then it is a big win for science and the importance of collaboration and globalization um, without question. And if it is the quickest because the FDA has cut corners in allowing it to get to market to save someone's re-election hopes, then that is an incredible, sad day for science and therefore the world. Yikes. There are I'm a very lot at passionate stake here, about people. science. And my final question would be, I know you are, and I think it's good. It's a very good perspective to have also, right? Um, this is why I love talking to you about this. Well, I don't want people like Moderna trying to take the piss out of a field that I take very seriously, that people before me have taken very seriously, and they've left it in a very good state, whereby nobody does take the piss out of it. And they're by allowing this corner cutting, they are enabling the anti-vaxxers, and they're enabling the anti-science, and they're enabling people to say, well, it's not very scientific, is it? Because it's not. Yeah. And it's a huge loss. And then we become like, you know, geopolitical science or some other sort of you know, media studies, like a, a subject that just is, is laughable because it's been so abused at this point. Absolutely. And that brings me to my last question, which I think is a really important one. Um, so how can we be on the lookout? Like, you know, me or the listeners, how can we be on the lookout for good science amongst all the headlines that are bombarding us, you know, between India and China and Israel and Olivia, I don't know, elaborating vaccines, how can I distinguish legitimately promising, you know, news or at least accurate vaccine information versus just clickbait? What could we be on the lookout for? The first thing I would look out for is press releases. And are they cited press releases? Because if it's just someone saying, oh, we've got some really good data and there's no indication of it being published, 
give them the two fingers and walk away because you, you do not need to waste your time any more of them. For American people, that means give them a finger. If it is an article in, in the newspaper, in the media, and it's linked to the paper or it's been published, then take the article with grains of salt because often it is written by people who are not experts in the field and can't properly interpret it. However, what you can do is there are so many science forums, there are so many avenues on, on Reddit, on Facebook, there are so many groups where you can join as a non-expert and you can take that snippet of the news and say, hi guys, um, I'm, I want to know about this. It's been published and here's the report. But what, what do you think? And you can get access to people. And there will be someone like me in a science group on Facebook or on Reddit or whatever who reads that and just gets on the keyboard and just demolishes a response. Like if that Moderna thing had come to me, that would be quite the response. Oh, that would be one heck of a Facebook post. So we're usually yeah. looking for news outlets or articles that also can link this to published information and from a Correct. reputable journal. Yes. All right. And that concludes our quick fire. Not so quick fire, but a little bit quick fire today. It's a little bit quick fire because it's late and I'm tired and I'm hungry. But that's no excuse to skip or delay or deliver anything less than 100% for the next sec section of the show. You know what time it is, don't you? Ooh, it's literally the only reason I do this show besides actually enjoying talking to you. It's Tweet of the Week. So play that funky music, white boy. All right, let's kick it off. Tweet of the Week. If you catch any of these tweeters in the wild, and there's loads of them out there to, to catch, tweet them over to us at BF News Podcast or email them to us, bearingfakenews at gmail.com. There are so many out there. What was the one I sent to you the other night? Do you remember? Oh, it was a really wacky one. I don't even remember if I remember telling you. I couldn't even write this. If I've I got it. I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> So this is this is an extra. This isn't this isn't even part of tweet of the week. This is just thrown in for fun. This is one that I found on a reply to to some conversation, and I sent it to to uh, the Queen of Bearing Fake News. Quote: I am a light-filled Christian boomer. Democrats have turned demonic. Our country was founded on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Word of God. Democrats are opposite and taking people's freedoms totally away. Wake up. And take notice of what's going on. I love this sheet. Like this person, like auto declared himself a boomer. <laughs> yeah, there's so many. Uh, I am like, wow. right filled. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, so, let's this... kick us off with actual tweet of the week. Yeah. So number one, it goes. It's a short one, short and sweet. The COVID nineteen virus has killed absolutely zero people. Cold viruses do not directly kill people. <laughs> Zero people. Zero people. What is the death toll of coronavirus? Lady? Absolutely zero. zero people. Absolute zero. <laughs> oh my gosh. The nerve of this person, like the audacity. I found these by just searching into Twitter, coronavirus, hashtag 2A, and all of these tweets are either from that or from replies of that 
except for one that was sent in. So that's where I found all of these. I did not look hard or go through multiple searches. I just searched coronavirus, hashtag 2A. What is, what is hashtag 2A? Second Amendment. Ah, oh, that makes a lot more sense now. All right, then. Let's go. Polls hanging their plans on a COVID vaccine to reopen our country. Don't know what's going to happen. Glad we still have our hashtag 2A, hashtag AR-15s. I want to say an AR-15's a gun? You would be correct again, yes. I'm, we don't need a vaccine, but at least we've got our fucking machine guns. <laughs> oh, and miss me with the, it's not an automatic, it's a semi-automatic, it's a different thing. Fuck you. Oh my gosh, what a one heck of a priority there. Our Second Amendment and your AR-15s. Oh, yeah. But don't forget about the three million cases you've got. I don't know how many millions we've got anymore. I, th- I think it's over 4 million. So thank goodness we have our hashtag 2A and AR-15s. But the 4 million people that are, you know, sick, don't worry about them. <laughs> All right. So, ooh, we've got a lot of uh, capitalization in the next tweet. It says, regarding, quote unquote, mandated COVID vaccines, presently we have the Fourth Amendment protecting us all from forced medical procedures, which includes vaccines. Preserve hashtag two A to preserve the rest. Oh gosh. I don't know what the Fourth Amendment is. Oh, oh yeah. Forced medical procedures, but I don't think it's worded that way. But thank God you can shoot those motherfuckers trying to make you better. <laughs> I feel so bad, all these scientists like, you know, really working their little butts off and like, you know, sacrificing days and nights of work for people to be like, hashtag two A, my fourth amendment, right? Oh my gosh. Guess better. If they shut down factories, offices, malls, schools because of ghosts in your attic, you'd laugh them out of court. But they can shutter the world because of a ghost germ up your nose. And everyone goes along, though it's never been proven to do anything. It's blamed for coronavirus. This is why we need to keep hashtag 2A. Oh my gosh. That was so weird. <laughs> A ghost germ up your nose? <laughs> oh my god. Hashtag 2A! So, apparently, the Second Amendment is the right to bear arms, I believe. Yeah. I'm not really sure how it's related to COVID-19 at all. Look, so let me tell you a little bit thing about Twitter. If you search hashtag 2A, Second Amendment, and COVID, or... COVID and uh, hashtag KAG or KAGA or MAGA, you find wonderful candidates for Tweet of the Week very, very quickly. (laughs) For anyone out there listening, maybe you could try to do this if you're bored one day. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, with so many hashtags, I'm not surprised. Check out this next one. Never before in this hashtag modern era have we seen such a hashtag Fear being heaped upon us by the hashtag Democrats, hashtag Rhinos, and the hashtag fake news, hashtag media, because of a hashtag virus, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. This is crazy, exclamation point, exclamation point. Just scream, sweetie. Hashtag COVID-19, hashtag coronavirus, hashtag insanity, lots of exclamation points. Hashtag let us get back to work, hashtag reopen all of America, hashtag MAGA. Hashtag KAG, hashtag 2A. Woo! Oh my gosh. The it took you hashtag- longer to read it than it would have for them to type that out, I think. 
I think so. I couldn't believe how many hashtags there were on this. No wonder you can always find these tweets. Thing is, like tweets like this get more likes than people saying, you know, the virus is real. Well, yes, this is um quite a uh, tw- uh, a tweet. Then what is a rhino? Because it's spelled R I N O. I think it's Republican in name only, and it's what the Trumpanzees used to call conservatives who are not conservative enough, or they're not Republican enough to qualify as Republican. So they're, they're basically moderates. They're centrists, people who are conservative because they're not left, but they're not stark raving fucking lunatics. Ah, huh, look at that. Well, I hope there's less hashtags in the ones going forward. There's less hashtags in this one going forward. Ready? Realty. Highest death rates from China plague are in Democrat states. Highest rates of violence, anarchy, and murder are in Democrat-controlled cities. Democrats. But orange man bad. Give me a break. Hashtag MAGA. Hashtag 2A. I love that it starts with realty. I'm pretty sure it must be reality. <laughs> the virus is now a partisan issue. I know, I can't believe it. The virus I mean, doesn't affect sure. Republicans. We're not going to talk about yeah. Florida or Texas. They are both seen more cases than than New York did in the uh, in the initial influx. That's just you know, it's a it's not it's a partisan issue now. Um, maybe it's all the 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 tan spray the spray tan that Orange Man uses that keeps the coronavirus away. Oh, and I love the but orange man bad. <laughs> These are real sentence structures, people. Real sentence structures. Alright, mm-hmm. so <laughs> this one says you aren't tracking me nor my family and we will never consent to forced vaccination. Never. At POTUS. Hashtag 2A. <laughs> I love it when yeah. they tag like really important people in these things. Like... <laughs> As much as I don't like Donald Trump, I don't think he's going to read this. <laughs> well, I can imagine him liking that. Um, but what's interesting is there has never been, to my knowledge, nor never will be, forced vaccination. People just saw the effects of polio. They saw the effects of measles and mumps and rubella, and they chose because they saw children in fucking iron lungs for life, disfigured and ruined from polio, and thought, hmm, let's not have that. Yeah, I know, and and I think we we definitely can, um, you know, talk about, for example, forced sterilization. There's definitely been some questionable science uh, experiments out there, but vaccination, as far as I know, has never been an issue where we force people to, so not the right way to go, right? Correct. Not the right way to go. All right, check this one out. This is the Dems virus. Assuming it brought them victory in 2020... Increased taxes, hashtag red flag nationwide, and no hashtag 2A. Economy diving into the toilet, hashtag abortions at every Starbucks, paid for on the SBX app, 100% hashtag open borders, and chaos related to that, state mandated hashtag vaccination, and zero hashtag free speech. Oh my gosh, abortions in every Starbucks? Paid for on the SBX app? I don't even know what that is. I have zero oh idea. Oh my god, paid for? I need a Gen Z to tell me what that is. Oh my 
my god, I didn't know Starbucks offered abortions. I know, same. I'm clearly too old for this. But, oh my god, I, that's wild. Again, the virus is partisan. It, it is only Dem-affected or Dem-controlled. It's nothing to do with those honourable Republicans that take care of Florida who are doing so well, or Texas who are doing so well. And some of these are, like, open borders. Oh my gosh. There's There's a story about this one as well. The guy who tweeted, again, these are all real tweets from real people. I vet them to make sure they're not robots or, you know, fake accounts or whatever. His profile, and I try and not say too much, I don't want to give him away, was hash, it was like Southerner, and I'm thinking, oh, God, he's from some fucking inbred place. Below the missing Dixon line or something, which I had to Google, the fucking guy lives in Maryland. Oh, wow. Surprising. Not the South. He just thinks he's Southern because he lives below this line that was some original line used to dictate something or other. But he's from fucking Maryland and he thinks he's good old Georgian chap. You know, chap, I don't think that was a terrible attempt at Georgian. And and their lexicon. (laughs) Maybe in Georgian era period. Oh, yes, I was born in the Georgian period and that's why their house was built out of red brick. (laughs) That kind of Georgian. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Round is off, number nine. Alright, this is all in caps lock, but as you all know, I don't really scream. Remember when people were randomly dropping dead in the streets of China? Well, that's going to happen here in the United States when people line up for the COVID-19 vaccine as soon as enough people take it. The vaccine has a chip that with 5G can instantly kill you. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Very special tweet, that. Yeah? How so? First tweet submitted by someone other than me or you. Yay! We'd love some This was a. I, I don't know if the word fan is the right term, but it was definitely submitted by someone who might be a biological parent of mine. <laughs> it's still a submission that's not me or you, so. It's we'll still a submission that's not me, it's not you. So it counts as a win. We're growing, damn it. We're reaching oh. the millions and the millions of people out there who consume our content readily. And thank you so much, parent of Lewis. <laughs> but as always I like to finish off with a, a palate cleansing tweet just to show that there are leaders of truth out there who denounce all this crap and do actually tweet sensical things in full sentences with correct punctuation today's number 10 palate cleanser was from at Hitslop MD doctor and he said quote lots of things are dangerous and not just COVID should we stop swimming and biking and everything else no but do you just watch your little kid walking towards the edge of a cliff and go, meh, we're all going to die someday. I'm choosing not to live in fear. And that's like the analogy used to the uh, the, the COVID sort of pro open everything I need my haircut people. I like the, meh, we're all going to die someday. I'm choosing not to live in fear. And this is, uh, and I think, you know, this is this is a good one. Like you said, you know, people always saying like, we can't live in fear, we have to make our lives. Yes, but we've got to be reasonable about, you know, how we go about it. We can't just all, you know, jump off the cliff and say, well, we're all going to die someday, right? Affirmative. And this show has gone very long and it's getting very late. Um, But I had to put Moderna in their place as well as talk about the, the pros of the Wuhan and the Oxford vaccine trials. However, there it is, guys. Another edition of Burying Fake News. 
the show where we give you the ammo needed to put down these crappy tweets, to put down these crappy press releases in their place and just spit on them and kick the shit out of them for the ever-loving betterment of society. This is science for non-science people. This is science for you, the everyman and the every woman. I hope you've had as much fun listening as, as we did making this. News at gmail.com. Links in the description if you want to get in touch. Be sure to follow us on all the Instagram and social media platforms. Just Google us. We're not difficult to find, I believe. Help us sanitize the web of misinformation out there. But but it's getting tired and I'm getting late. Sweetie, would you like to say good night? Good night, guys. And thank you so much for joining us in this very exciting episode on the advances of the COVID-19 vaccines. And maybe, you know, when more advances come out, we can uh, revisit this topic. Lou, what do you think? More biology? Well, we can absolutely revisit it as further data gets published on the ongoing timeline, of course. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your dedication to this podcast and to reading for us and explaining to us. And thank you guys for listening. And fuck Moderna press releases. (laughs) 